Welcome to the Apollo Leaguers series, a podcast that helps you learn from those who have become directly involved with exciting businesses in their early growth stage listed on the Apollo League. Handing you over to the host, Simon Ward. Good morning, morning, uh, Rod. Fantastic to, to welcome you, Rod Williams, to the Apollo League podcast series. Morning. How are you, mate? Really well, thank you. And we're talking to you today because you are the latest Apollo Liga to to get placed into a into a role, an advisory board role at uh, Mosaic Play, which is fantastic. Congratulations on that appointment. Thank you. I'm delighted. Excellent. Well, just for the for the listeners out there, why don't you give us a, a bit of background about yourself because you've had an interesting career. Uh, so tell us a little bit about you know, your journey as a professional and um, what, you, what you're up to at the moment as well, because that sounds very interesting. Sure, sure. So um, my career is a little bit like a tale of two halves in that I started for large corporations in retail, originally in the UK and then here when I arrived in Australia, um, listed companies and professional management leadership type roles rather than entrepreneurial type roles. And that was great in terms of the experience and the grounding I got in the core skills of running a business. But um, I took a very conscious decision about 10 or 11 years ago to move more into unlisted business, private equity, venture capital, and uh, entrepreneurship. So I did a spell, first of all, running an offshore manufacturer wholesaler, which was good fun for a while. And through that work and the product expertise, um, I started talking to the guys when they were bringing Groupon, then known as Star Deals, over to Australia. So I helped them set up the Groupon goods business in particular, uh, helped them with some of their international work, and um, spent a few more years playing around in other online marketplaces locally here in Australia. It really, really interesting work because you, you're looking to bring the asset infrastructure in terms of storing, distributing physical goods that retailers have built up over decades. And you're looking to, to put that into place in a very short space of time in kind of plug-and-play fashion. So it was high pace and it was interesting, but neither of them were particularly uh, long-term heavyweight-type gigs that I'd want to stay in for a very long time. Um, there wasn't a lot of purpose behind the roles other than you know the obvious purpose of business, which is making money. So I spent a few years in consulting, looking for um, really interesting companies in the in the startup space that I have more of a purpose that I would like to spend a longer time working with. Came across a lot of very interesting firms and some really ins- inspiring founders and CEOs. Uh, and it's led me to a couple of the places that I am now, which are really the focus of our chat today. The first of which I'll just tell you about very quickly is a company called Humans. Um, so they're an augmented and virtual reality platform, initially for sports, but in the long term for all kinds of different things. Um, you'll probably know that augmented and virtual reality is a really transformational technology. It's going to change the way we do an awful lot of things in the next 10 years, uh, maybe even longer than that. And it could have some really, really uh, wonderful benefits for all of society. For example, if you could collaborate with everyone perfectly in a 3D hologram from your own home, why would you need to get into a car and cause all of that pollution? And that's just one of the things we can talk about. 
So they're up to they're up to big things, and it's a it's a long term gig. And I'm, I've joined them as an advisor, and I do quite a bit of uh, operational setup work while they're in their very early stages. But of course, the the other one that's um, the focus of the day is Mosaic Play. Mosaic Play really interesting to me because um, in helping the creative industries and education, they're helping the next generation of storytellers. And we're living in a time now where people can't even agree on the basic facts of reality. You can see that particularly in politics, but you know it spreads out into all, all kinds of different um, fields. Anti-vaxxers, people who think that 5G is some kind of government conspiracy. But storytellers, they can cut through all that crap. You know, They can get to the heart of the matter and people will listen to storytellers. Entertainment is something that people are always open to. So Mosaic Play have a really, really important role to play in um, aggregating supply and demand to make sure more of those storytellers can fulfill their potential. Fantastic. And, you, you know, you talked about sitting on an advisory board in, um, in Mosaic and Humance. You know, what do you think is the role of an advisory board in a, in a scale-up company? Um, what, what is it that, you know, that you, you can help the founders with typically? Look, I think the advisor's got a, uh, four key functions to, to play there. Um, first of all, a specific expertise or quality that they can bring that the founder doesn't have, but will need to draw upon from time to time, maybe not on a daily or weekly basis. So, for example, let's say a company on their roadmap, it's absolutely essential that they get into the United States market. They've never worked there before. They're going to need someone to make introductions for them, someone who has a network there already could be the advisor to play that role. I think the second thing is to be a sounding board for the CEO. That job can be a pretty lonely place. So having senior, seasoned, trusted confidants provides a great outlet. I think it's important to provide options to the CEO Sometimes it can seem when they're in the thick of it that there's really only one path out of a situation, which, even though it might be painful, is compelling to them. And advisors can sit back slightly from the, the, the daily grind and humdrum of operations, and they might see things differently and can provide plans B, C, and D. And I think lastly, perhaps most importantly, what advisors can do is ward off groupthink and the fear that employees may may have of speaking out. It's really natural for a group of people that work together on a daily basis to want harmony in their workplace. And because of that, sometimes they don't want to challenge the, the direction that a business is taking. They just go with the flow and everyone counts to agree with the same set of policies and practices and procedures. Equally, for a relatively junior employee, it can be quite hard to um, put your hand up and, and, and ask everyone to stop. When you haven't been there very long, you don't know the business as well as the CEO, and, and basically you rely upon them for your your income and your working conditions. And that could be really dangerous. You know, it could be the CEOs following a plan that's akin to rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, and it's really necessary that someone sticks their hand up and says, "Look, stop! We've got to do something different." And what an advisor can do is make sure that the CEO is challenged on a regular basis about some of the decisions that they're taking to ensure that they've done the thinking about other options. That's an excellent answer. 
And do you agree with the statement that leaders, including advisory board members, should buy into the businesses that they lead? I do. I do. Uh, it's really important that leaders' interests are aligned with the firms. I mean, the, the fortunes of that firm, um, and to some extent, the customers, the employees, are going to rely on the actions of that leader. So they need to have skin in the game in one sense. Having said that, I am a little bit flexible around what a leader is and what constitutes buy-in. And I think it depends upon making the whole equation work for that particular business in the situation that it's in. Let me give you an example. Um, if a business is looking for a, a COO and they find someone who has some really rare, key, necessary skills, but they're not in a position to invest financially, it wouldn't make sense to pass them over just because of that when they could add so much to the business. Not when there are alternatives for providing the incentive structure to align the interests with those of the business. For example, um, bonus schemes, earning equity, sweat equity, those kind of things. Yes. Well, However, when I sort of raise that issue of investing in, I guess that includes this concept of, of working for equity in a business. So it doesn't need to just be financial investment. It can be, you know, earning, earning salary sacrificing for shares, for example. Exactly, exactly. So there's a range of different ways that buying can be achieved. And I also think it's, it's which is the appropriate one can be role-specific. You know, I just gave you an example about someone who's going to be in the business on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, it might be slightly different for someone like an advisor who's going to contribute on a, a monthly or perhaps a weekly basis. It may be that you don't need to maintain uh, a certain distance between the CEO and employees in terms of um, how they operate and how they perceive themselves and how they relate to the business. It may be more appropriate for them to be ones who invest financially. It can be quite difficult if you're only contributing to the business on an occasional basis to remain really clued in and have your finger on the pulse. So if that's the case, what's the quality of your contribution when you do come to make it? But if they have that skin in the game in terms of a financial, uh, financial investment, it gives them the incentive to proactively keep their finger on the pulse and make sure that the contribution they make is genuinely valuable. Yep, that makes perfect sense. And um, in terms of non-executive and advisory board positions, one of the interesting um, topics that we we discuss with our with our customers and our candidates is the is the ability to customise. Um, incentives, not just for executives, but non-executives and advisory board members. So if an advisory board member can achieve something above and beyond the normal, um, I guess their normal responsibilities, you know, what, what are your views on that as an idea? If it works for the business and it works for the individual, it's fantastic. It's, it's really a great idea in principle. Um, again, with all great ideas, it comes down to the execution. But often... And I think this is where it really fits in a, in a startup or a scale-up business. There's the need for a temporary, intense, high-level contribution that it doesn't make sense to go and recruit an employee for because it would be too expensive and you don't need them in the long term, but is absolutely essential to the growth of the business in the short and the medium term. And that's great to be able to draw upon someone who is invested in the business 
is genuinely aligned with the best interests of the business and has the key skills necessary to make that kind of contribution. Much more valuable to have that kind of trusted person to rely on than bring in, say, a consultant, particularly when you're um, probably a bootstrapping or at least uh, cash flow poor scale-up business. Mm. That makes that makes absolute sense to, to me. So in terms of picking the right business as a candidate to get involved in, um, how important you know are the businesses' values? Because this is one of the one of the topic one of the things I noticed on Humense's um, site. There was a heavy emphasis on you know what they stood for as a business, and it kind of is echoed by Warren Buffett's comments when he you know when you start to do some research into how he he looks at picking directors and advisors to his business. Um, he he said. Um, one of his uh, famous quotes is, you know, he looks for good character traits, thoughts and principles rather than process, but also integrity. He, you know, he said, it, it, you know, any smart person has the requisite intelligence and energy to succeed, but integrity is not hardwired into your DNA as a business person. Um, and it's something that often isn't talked about. So is that something that you, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that um, in business and your approach to business? So in, in my opinion, the leadership of the business and the values of the business are inseparable. Values are something that, in my experience, very large businesses know that they have to pay attention to and they have to address it. So they will have a, a number of workshops where people brainstorm and write things on post-its and stick it on the wall. And then they come up with a set of values that they believe they should have as an organization. And at the end of the workshop, it never gets talked about again. Mm. Um, and that's completely different to actually living the values. If you want to see what an organization's real values are, spend time with the leaders of the business, see what they actually do, because culture comes from the top and values that they bring to life with their actions are the values that are going to flow through the organization. So if you find that you have a real natural rapport with the style of the leader of the business, you're probably going to have a good values fit with that organization. If you don't, no matter how much you like the activity they're involved in and respect the way that they do business, it's probably not going to be comfortable for either you or them to work with them closely on a regular basis. Excellent. Well, and in terms of Apollo League and um, the business idea that's driving your, your involvement in Mosaic Play and the process, you know, how's it been for you? The process has been really, really simple and straightforward. And, you know, I have to thank both yourself and, and, and Gabriel for that. Um, I think the, the reason it's been so straightforward is that all three of us have um, been very straightforward and open in, in asking and answering questions. There's no point having, uh, you know, any any agenda that's hidden to the other players when you're trying to negotiate and come to a, a common agreement on what to do next. So thanks for being really straightforward and open with what all the, the terms, the conditions are. There was nothing hidden. It's done exactly what it said on the tin. Fantastic. Well, look, thanks for spending some time with us this morning, Rod. It's it's fascinating to to hear from you, from you about um, about the topics we've discussed today and we're grateful for your time. Absolutely my pleasure, mate. Anytime. Thanks again. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Polo Leaguers. Be sure to tune in for our next Leaguer interview. And until then, keep on learning.